0: Asalaamu Alaikum sisters, welcome to <laughs> <laughs> Bismillahir Rahmanir أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العوضة من لساني يبقه قولي رب يوزيني نشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين uh, thank you for coming, and for a long time we have been thinking of talking about the subject of the uh, I lived in this country almost now 40 years, September coming the 4th, it will be 40 years for me. And in these 40 years, I have seen a lot of changes happening in this country and across the world, and it used to be... More easier to communicate and understand and appreciate uh, the transferring of information or knowledge from place to place, although we didn't have the internet, we didn't have even the modern kind of technology like the iPhones and those things, but yet it was easier. Uh, And there was an eagerness of getting to the truth and realizing exactly what you are supposed to learn. Uh, with the coming of these modern uh, technology pieces, information is becoming easy to access, and anybody can put anything, and anybody can say whatever they want to say. And through that, rather than appreciation of understanding what is supposed to be understood, it's becoming like a football match, people shouting at one another, claiming the truth, abusing one another, insulting one another. And I was astonished when I was once shown by somebody in YouTube, a lot of young people yani, saying and doing things uh, against people who worked very hard uh, for Islam and achieved a lot in their lifetime from the first generation, second generation, third generation. And they're bringing things even about people who lived in the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu and trying to resurrect it and argue about it. And to me, it was sad because this is not the way Muslims should behave themselves and talk, and even sadder than that, uh, through the generation and the history of Islam, to me personally, uh, I thank Allah that the people who brought me up, taught me, and guided me were from the Sufi school, and I see a lot of greatest men and women of Tasawuf being insulted, and Tasawuf is being taken uh, for ridicule uh, by people who claim to be Sufis and by people uh, who don't understand what Sufism is in fact uh, I could see some people are even worried to talk about Sufism or to say I, I, I want to know about it or talk about it or belong to it or have studied Very very sad situation we are in today Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has sent Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, number one to give the good tidings. Bashir. And to be a warner for those people who speak without knowledge. And he وسلم, is Nazir. Those two words are very important. To give Bushra or to give a warning. Bushra meaning to give good news are so important. Rather than any uh, just frighten people first you give them the good tidings that is supposed to happen and allah said in the quran we have given him permission to invite people by our leave for it is he sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is the shining light not because he illuminates just light like a lamp Although he is light, wa sallam, but because he is full of knowledge to show you the path that you are supposed to carry from. So we don't take no knowledge from nobody except from Rasulullah. So anybody who claims to be a Sufi, their knowledge comes from the Prophet because they have no other means. In fact, they fight for it, and they are the only group, I can promise you this, who don't say just we follow Quran and Sunnah who say we cannot do anything without him, he the our key. His love is paramount. And they work hard to achieve that love and to show that they love him. You don't go to any majlis and you hear people talking or reading Naat or Nasheed or poetry about Muhammad Sallam only in the Sufi majlis. Have you ever seen Naat in any other grouping? There is no, no Naat. You see? But we do. Because this is most important. So our time, that which we need to just sit and talk, we do that. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised him in Surah Al-Qalam, in Separa 28, the beginning chapter, Juz Tabarak, Juz 28. Separa 28, uh, 28 uh, verse number 4, Allah says, And you are indeed, you are the most exalted in manners. You are the most greatest in manners. There is nobody, ever Allah praised him like this, but Muhammad And for the Sufis, this is where they need to link. The character, the manners, the behavior. They want to achieve that. They want to be, you cannot be with somebody who is mu'addab, meaning well-behaved, unless you are behaving well yourself. Because it doesn't go. Somebody who is well disciplined and somebody who is not disciplined at all, they can't be friends. You want to be close to the Prophet, you need to be in that kind of position. And also because Allah praised him by saying to him, through that character we gave to you, which is the highest of its form, we have not sent you, O Muhammad, only as a mercy, not to mankind, not to the jinn, not to a specific group, but to all of the creation of Allah creature. Let it be that which will speak or not. That which is able to do or not. That which is physical or not. Even the Malaika. He is sent as mercy to them والسلام. <inaudible> not just that, to make him so important for us to look up to and to take from, Allah has exalted and cleansed and purified his lineage. Those who are before him, he said, all my fathers were born through marriage. That's why he says, whosoever, whosoever avoid following my way of living life is not one of mine. And one of my ways of living this life in this world, getting married. And therefore, if you truly love me, then get married. If you love the Prophet, then you need to get married. You can't say I love him, and you say, No, I want to opt out of this. Why did he say that? Because he wants to prove to us in order for you to be among those people who will exalt in manners and position you need to make sure that your progeny should come through marriage. We live at an age today marriage is considered to be not good enough. It's a token. People want to live together, try life, and if it works then we get married. If it doesn't get work, we don't get married. Or let's even have children. And when we have children and everything, let's get married. I saw people like that and then when they get married, They say, no, 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 let's get divorced again. It doesn't waste. We should live without. It doesn't make sense. It's not about having argument or fighting or having difficulty in living. It's about the spiritual contentment. That is most important. And therefore, Allah says about his progeny, Indeed, Allah wants only one thing for you. O family, of the Prophet. Allah called them Alul Bayt. Family of the Prophet, Alul Bayt. So that he can cleanse you and purify you like nobody else. <laughs> so anybody comes under Al Bayt, whether then they were living like Fatima and Ali, Hassan and Hussein, or living today. As long as they are linked to that chain, it's our duty that we should respect them, look up to them, and show the most caring attitude toward them. Because Allah commands in the Quran. Okay? I have come to teach you and bring you from the darkness to the light. I have come to give you this beautiful teaching. But I don't want any reward from you. except Being kind. Being lenient. Merciful and generous loving towards my family. That's it. All those things are very important when we come to speak about real tasawwuf. So, for the Sufis, Ahlulbayt are important. Doesn't matter. There is no way we will reject them, push them, abuse them, whatever they are doing. Because Allah commands that. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put it clearly. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed that He has servants who are believers, humble, and most gracious in their behavior. Allah called them in the Quran, al-mukhbatin. Very humble, very decent, very, very wonderful in their character. You see them, you can't value them you think they're just weak or they don't know anything but their humility raise them above everybody else hence Sayyidina Muhammad says perhaps one person you look at not dressed very well not looking very appealing but if they asked Allah anything Allah fulfilled for them immediately Allah gives them exactly what they want and therefore these people okay Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed about them something special. Allah called them his most dearest and nearest. He personally support and attain to all their needs. Allah called them awliya. I ask people who are against us because the only people who talk about awliya are the Sufis. Where are these awliya Allah talk about them in the Quran? We don't know. Why you don't know? We should know. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, Allah awliya illahi, alayhim, wa Indeed, those men who are the most pious and righteous, closest to Allah, defended by Him, there is no fear for them. And they will never be sad. This is in Surah Yunus, verse 62. And the verse of Al Bayt, Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 33. Now, Allah said as well, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in a hadith Qudsi, a statement said by Jibreel, that Allah said himself, but it is Jibreel's word. من عاد لي وليا آذنته بالحرب. If you read the 14 hour hadith, it's one of the most prominent hadith. Whosoever take animosity against any one of my awliya, my righteous, humble servants, those who devoted themselves to me, has declared war against me who is going to fight a war against Allah wa ta'ala. so Allah is willing to fight a war to defend one of his beloved not a prophet not a messenger not the highest of the messenger like Musa Isa and Muhammad no 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 perhaps somebody amongst us sitting here now Allah loves so much if any one of us annoys it will go against them Allah will fight them and therefore from the beginning the companions those who followed them, they were very, very careful to realize that nobody has the right to judge nobody. Because at the end of the day, if you manage to put a foot in a wrong position against somebody whom Allah loves, then you are in trouble and you have to be careful. So the Sufis began to look at this area. Only through the behavior and the character. Once a person is in that kind of position, then they get very worried. If they are good, they keep away from making trouble with them. And therefore, Tasawwuf is the only way for becoming a wali. To be a wali of Allah, you must be in the Sufi school. And by the way, people talk about the Sufi different grouping is dividing Islam. That's nonsense. These are all these schools of dhikr. Because we have got two schools. We have got the school, good Prudence School there used to be 13 of them starting with al-Hassan al-Bisri, then Sufyan al-Sawri and coming down until Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal before him, Shafi'i before him, Malik, before him, Abu Hanifa before him, Ja'far al-Sadiq and carry on it was too difficult because some of them made it so strict that many of them are not being followed today the most viable are 5, and we recognize them the, the Hanafi school the Malik school the Shafi'i school the Hanbali school and the Ja'fari school most of the Shia follow the school or many of them now this is just schools telling us the interpretation of the way of living life through the Sharia through the law of Islam in worshipping in living life getting married getting divorced inheritance all those things So there is no division here. I don't listen to somebody today come and tell me this is divisive when the early people who were closest to the Prophet felt it is good to do it that way. And there was no compromising on this. But then, when it comes to the spiritual practice, especially doing the extras that are not compulsory or sunnah in optional acts, the only school that concentrates on this properly is the Sufi school. Extra salah, extra fasting, extra umrah, extra hajj, extra zikr, extra charity, extra giving oneself for the sake of Allah. I challenge any man to show me people who do this more than them. Nobody. I have lived, I have traveled, I have studied, I have seen many people. In fact, many people when they see somebody who's studying with the Sufis doing extra, they say, you don't have to trouble yourself. I remember once, I was with a group delegation staying in a place and we gathered together every morning to pray Fajr together, and the idea after Fajr until sunrise, if you pray in jama'ah, then you stay until the sun is risen 20 minutes after sunrise, and you pray two raga'ah, you will get the hajj of a reward, a reward of a hajj and a umrah, one hajj and one umrah. So I encourage you to do that, but better than that, before sunrise, if you read Quran, do extra zikr, then you benefit more. And we were sitting, we prayed, and uh, when we finished, I was doing this. Some one brother was sitting, was getting upset. And usually when the sun is nearly rising, so that people should wake up a little bit, I stop and I give a reminder. Take a hadith or a verse and explain it. Ten minutes, something like that. And then, before sunrise, it is very important to read, subhanAllah, hamdihi a hundred times. It will forgive all your sins. So I began to do that. This brother said, Allah has made Fajr only to ragaz So that you pray them and you go and sleep. And you are doing all these extras. What is this? Inside I was laughing. But outside I was shocked. These extras are already been interpreted by the Quran and the Sunnah to show that it is for your own benefit. And it is the only means. And I say it again, the only means that can make you closest to Allah and makes Allah love you. This is clear in the hadith. Okay? Subhanallah, the hadith said it clearly. When Jibreel alayhi salam came and sat down and kneeled in front of the prophet, his knees touching his knees, the prophet was putting his hand like this, Jibreel put his hand like that And then ask him, what is Islam? The five pillars. What is Iman? The six pillars of Iman. And then he asks him, what is Ihsan? When he asks him about Ihsan, he says to him, to worship Allah as if you see him. But if you cannot see him, he sees you at all times. So the Sufis try to take this last part to be the most important part. Because to be a Muslim, you must accomplish the five pillars. If you don't pray, if you don't fast, if you don't go to hajj once in your lifetime, if you are able, and if you don't fast your Ramadan, if you are able every year, then there's a problem. These are the pillars of Islam. You have to carry them. This is normal. But then, to build your iman, you must carry out the articles of faith by learning and by striving, okay, so that your faith will be increased. This is very, very serious, very, very important. Very, very important. Another hadith comes adding to this. Okay? And the hadith says, Qudsi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Gibral words, My servants will be striving towards me by doing the extra optional acts. Not the fara'id, not the compulsory act, not the sunan, by optional act. Hatta Until I love him or her. And when I love him or her, then I will give them the extra hearing, the extra sight, the extra ability to be able to do things that normal people cannot do. My question is, if we do the extras and we can achieve this, why shouldn't we do it? And in every field of life, people always try to do their utmost to achieve the best. No student wants just to get an A if he can get an A star. Nobody will strive to get a degree, Ferris degree. If he he can get Ferris degree, honors is much better for him than just a normal degree. And so on. So people always strive. And for this reason, the only school that take care of this, to bring people to the path of the Walaya, or being closest to Allah, and the path of guidance, are the Sufis. And the Mashayikh of the Sufi school. You don't go anywhere else and you are taught this. I promise you. Ask anybody who left this country in the last 20 years to go and study abroad, whether it is in Egypt, Mauritania, Morocco, anywhere. I promise you by Allah. A lot of them, they go and they come back and say, Sheikh, you are right. They go and sit anywhere, they find nothing. If you go to universities, colleges, most generally, there are people teaching. The only people who can teach you to do that extra to perfect your character, to be among the noble people, is the Sufis, and they do it well. They call it suluk, meaning to be able to strive to achieve the highest attainment of being of the best in character. That's what they do. Nobody else. And I have evidence of this. When I used to teach in Islamia school, and I was the director of education there for a while, Islamic education, I only follow the discipline of the Sufis in that we call it terbiya. Nurturing or raising. Some parents, because they knew I was taught by Sufis, I, I was born in a Sufi family, my ancestors have shrines. people go and visit them. They think this is shirk and this is haram. This is my ancestors. If I go there, I pray for them. Whether other people come or not, it's up to them, but I do. It's my duty. Anybody can go. And the moment I left the school and I resigned, some parents, when they meet me, say, and, and they were uh, uh, opposing me. I am here, and they were there. And they say, Really, we realize just now, when it comes to raising, nurturing, and giving that pass of saluk, it can only be done by the Sufis. I say, Why do you say that? Because you are a Sufi. I said, mm, You realize that I'm a Sufi. Because the way of the Sufis is to make you love, not to hate. It's to make you follow, not to reject. It's to make you join, not to be separated. It's to make you united within yourself before uniting with others beside you. That is their way. Because they know you Tawheed, meaning come together. How wonderful it will be when that Tawheed within me or you make us all act like one. And the musketeers say, All for one and one? Wow. For all. The musketeers didn't do this, by the way. This is from us. This is the <laughs> Sufi school. When you do the bayah with the Sheikh, we say, Al-Fuqara'u ikhwati. The Fuqara meaning the seekers of the path of the Sufis are my brothers and sisters. Lima lahum wa Whatever is for me is for them. Whatever is against me is against them. al tajmauna. obedience brings us together. Disobedience okay, separate us. So we are obedient and therefore we are united. Not through disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, the Mashaykh, and this is what hurt me when I look at the internet. People are insulted. They are talking about people who passed long time ago. And there are groups today walking on a holy land like Syria, trying and hoping to dig grave of those greatest men and throw them away. It makes me feel so sad. When I arrived in this land, the most unhappy scene for me, yes, there were no masajid, there were no circle of knowledge or zikr, but I felt sad there is not one tomb of a sheikh in this country. It means there is no barakah here. But alhamdulillah, now I, I visited two or three of them. Uh, so it's coming. Maybe one of you one day will become the greatest will people who can come and visit their shrine and pray for you and pray for those who need yes. They are the Sufi mashaykh rather than being put down or said about that they were not leading people right. They are the only one who are seeking the path that Allah calls as al Allah is my witness. The tariq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only one who can point out for you how to get there. How? By what they say and what they do. All the Mashaykh who taught me they said very little. But most of that which they want to transmit to me, I could see in their action. Allah is my witness. The man I took from, never raised his eyebrows to look at me. He's always like this. And he knows everybody sitting there. He will never look up. Because the first commandment for me and you, for men and women, to lower your gaze. I tried, but it's difficult. It's very very difficult. I, I went for days when I was younger, I wanted to be like him. It's tough. And you go to school and you are looking at and the teacher said, Look at me, look at me, look, and then you have to look up. Tough. You come to your mother talking to you. Why are you looking down? Look at me, I'm your mother. I must try to train myself. But it's tough. You try. If you succeed, come and talk to me. And I'll take your secret. How are you doing it? Okay? Therefore they will only guide you through their words. And their action and by that which they have taken from the beautiful teaching of the Messenger Wallahi, Allah is my witness. You will never see men or women to that end interacting with people behaving like the Prophet except from them. I had never seen because they never lie, they never cheat, they never deceive they never show off. They are so humble. The man I was talking about, he was one of the greatest scholars of his time. In fact, Allah has honored him because his father used to teach the Quran in the Kaaba. There was a Quranic school there in the 19th century. And he was brought back uh, to Sudan to take over the school uh, when the Grand Sheikh was dying. And he took over just at the turn of the century. During, just before the First World War. And he died in 1936. And this Sheikh I'm talking about took from him in 1936. And from that time, to honor the work his father did, they gave him the basement in the Kaaba to be the place where he will come to stay when he comes for Hajj al Umrah. It was amazing. A man whom Allah has honored his fathers because of teaching the Quran in the Kaaba, they don't have to stay in a hotel or in a place. People can stay outside, but he stays there. This is, he called it his manzilla, his abode, in the Kaaba itself, underneath, where he lives, where he eats, where he drinks, and then just come up to pray, whenever he goes to and Umrah. Until 1981, when a man whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has yani, led him to his misguidance because he thought he is the Mahdi of the time, wanted to take over the Kaaba, in 19, I think, 1981, and He went in high time and he was uh, surrounding the Kaaba, wanted to kill the king and this and that. It was terrible. Then they closed it. Now when you go, it's all changed. But until that time, it was, that's the way they used to do it. Those great mashayikh, they learned first. Then they taught. This teaching did not come just like that until they made sure everywhere they have learned, they put in practice themselves. And this is the Sufi way. You don't go out of your way and just spreading information until you make sure that what you have learned you put in practice better. Because how can you go again at the Quran when the Quran says, O oh you who believe, why do you say that which you do not act upon? It is indeed a grave sin in the sight of God to say that which you do not act upon. And today if you notice, people once they fear something, they talk about it straight away. They come and tell somebody off. This is haram, it is wrong. You shouldn't do this. I say, what about you? Why are you telling me? I'm telling you. But you are telling me you should do it fairly. Then tell me. So you begin with yourself. This is the Sufi way before you go to the others. Okay? But today, in fact, it has been quite a long time. Almost 15 years now. There is a new kind of wave of people coming out. Either they are rejecting that there is nothing in Islam called Tasawuf, They go to the point to say that the Sufis are only us a small group in Islam. Or there is nothing in Islam called Tasawuf. Some of them went so far taking them outside the domain of Islam. They say this is something to do with paganism, Hinduism, Buddhism. And this has nothing to do with Islam. It came from these religions, these teachings. And these people are not really even Muslims. I put my hand up and I say By Allah Almighty God I had never seen gatherings Of people coming to listen To any Islamic Talk about the Prophet Or to celebrate his life Than the Sufis No gathering The smallest gathering of the Sufis Okay When you talk about millions Will be a million, a million and a half, two million And the biggest will be about seven, eight million In one gathering Every Muslim country. If you go to India, Pakistan, Indonesia, Malaysia, China, the uh, old Soviet Republic, Islamic Republic like Uzbekistan, and, uh, uh, all those uh, Turkmenistan, whatever you call them, and you come to the rest of the African countries, even when you come to places place like Bosnia, the majority of the people are Sufis. Whether people like it or not, but they don't want to say that. And they don't want to accept it. It is. And you can investigate yourself. They are the majority. Whether people like it or no, my glasses are broken. <laughs> These glasses. Okay, and I can't read without them, but so forgive me to wear them like that. Okay? Now some of them they want to remove us out of the path of Islam. Some of us want to make us kofar. But there is another group who would uh, reject that all these karamas, honorings Allah gives to the awliya are not there. We know the prophets had miracles. Musa had a stick, he can open the sea with, can become a serpent. Okay. Uh, Isa could raise the dead, could create from mud bears and they fly, he could heal the leopard and the sick, whatever. But for an honourable human being Allah has made among the nobles, as Allah said, the more they come closer to me through optional acts, I become their hearing and their sight, Allah gives them honourings. So they can, yeah, they can, they call it karama in Arabic. They could do anything. I have seen with my life, with my own eyes, some of these things. And they are miraculous. Like for example, once upon a time a woman, her child was crippled. And the doctor says, he can never walk again. Finished. So the woman said, no, as long as there are people who are close to Allah, I will never rest until I take him to someone who will heal him for me. The doctors can only heal with the physical. Allah can do it without that. Allah doesn't need medicine because the medicine, okay, is, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what happened is, what happened is, subhanallah, immediately, The woman brought this guy on a taxi and the boy is there, cannot even stand up. And she came out of the taxi screaming in front of this big house where there is a scholar living there, good one of the awliya. And she said, where are the men? Where are those who, when people are in trouble, they call upon them because they are close to Allah and they are there to serve people for the sake of Allah, they will do. Who can do this for me? And then the old man came out and said, what's the shouting? What is going on? And the woman said to him, Uh, My son is uh, crippled and nobody says they can do anything for him. And he's the only one and I need him to be working to help me and support me, an old woman. And while he's talking to her, the old man was walking around the taxi. Nobody was noticing that. I was thinking, why is he walking around? And after, I can't remember, five times or seven times, he stopped and said to her, He said to her, okay. I don't think you are understanding. Your son is alright. Open the, t- the door. She said, no, no, no. He said, t- open the door. So one of the guys ran and opened the door. He said to the boy, come out. And the boy just came walking. He said, him, look, go back home. You, you, you just, I don't think you are deluded. Just go home. He didn't want to show that he did anything. But definitely at that moment, for me, it is a miracle from Allah as an honoring for this man because Allah listened to his words. If Allah wants to do, be and it becomes. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. Neither me nor you. But if Allah wants you to be the reason for something to happen, Allah can honor you. And that's the idea. If Allah honors you, nobody can take that honoring away from you. Okay? And therefore, some people say, the people of Tasawuf, the they became like the monk. The monks cut themselves from the living of the dunya. And therefore, they live in the caves and the mountains and the jungles and they are trying to be close to Allah that way, but we are supposed to live life. Those who went to universities, colleges, maybe in the campuses you hear, sometimes people arguing about these things. When they, they hear, oh, tasawuf is rahbaniya. And Allah said in the Quran, la rahbaniya fiddin. Tasawuf is like living like monks. And in Islam, the Quran says, we shouldn't live like that. So, what do you want? We want to live like, life like today. And many of them, I promise you, they try to live life to fulfill the physical needs only. So, when it comes to the spiritual side, as long as I pray my five and I fast my Ramadan, and if, when I'm able to go and do Hajj, I'll do it. If I have Zakat, I'll pay. That's it. The rest I need to concentrate on living my life. And therefore they ignore a lot of the sunnah and they ignore a lot of the extra optional acts. And when they see those who are doing the extra optional, they don't feel happy. They get very upset. I said once to one of them, what's wrong with you? He said to me, this guy, every time we finish our prayer, he keep praying and praying and praying. I said to him, what's wrong with you? He just wants to pray. If now he's sitting there and had a lot of money and kept giving and giving him, you will tell him, why are you giving? You will go and take. But because he's praying, either you are jealous, envious, or you don't understand. Because let him pray. It's better to pray than not to pray. And that's the reason. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who talk like that in Surah Al-Rum, verse 7, they only know the apparent side of living in this lower world, that which you can see and comprehend. However, when it comes to the hereafter, they are neglectful. They don't realize what is coming. And therefore, when you listen today to anybody asking a question about things that are unclear to understand and appreciating the deen, these people do not understand at all. Somebody ring and ask about a dream, they find them, well, somebody say, talk about well, I have seen the Prophet in my dream, and I don't say, "Oh, come on." Uh, as this, you can't see the Prophet Why not? You could see Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in your dream, the way befits befitsing Him. If Allah wanted to show you, Ibn Sirin, one of the greatest scholars, nobody can argue about him. He was one of the best in interpreting the dream, and the Quran itself tells us in Surah Yusuf, from the beginning to the end, Yusuf saw the dream, the king saw the dream. And the criminals in the prisons saw the dreams. You could be a criminal you could see a dream and it can come true. You don't have to be pious right, righteous. But if الله, you are clean shaven or you are a woman not wearing your hijab or you don't pray or they saw you smoking and you come and say by the way I saw a dream and I say Allah, what dream? Just go away from, just from shaitan. You can't say that. Either you know for sure or you are putting yourself in a position to say that which will definitely put you in a position of anger from Allah. And that's the saddest thing. They make judgment without understanding, and nobody has the right to judge, except by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Except by the will of Allah. If Allah doesn't give you that, you have no right to speak. And they yet, they try to speak. Here, I will say what the masters <laughs> of the saw said. They said, knowledge is not only for learning about the dunya, However, the knowledge of the deen, the spiritual knowledge, it's not stopping you from learning about the dunya. Or it was not initiated by Allah to make you move away from it. However, the knowledge of the deen, if it is properly learned, it encourages you to learn about the dunya. Allah says so in the Quran. Allah says in Surah Al-Qasas, verse 77, وَابْتَغِ فيما أَتَاكَ اللَّهُ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةِ And use your best to achieve success for the hereafter by what Allah has provided for you. However, ولا نَصِبَكَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا Don't neglect your portion of this world. Live normally. Tasawwuf is about a balance. When you are a Sufi, you are a balanced human being. Meaning, you are somebody who believes in Allah. Trust in Allah. Depend upon Allah. Turn only to Allah. Seek only from Allah. And fear none but Allah. Never a Sufi is frightened. From nobody. This is a sign. They are not frightened because they know at the end of the day they belong to him. And he is their defender. That's the idea. And the greatest of the awliya among the companions of Rasulullah Sallam the poorest from them when the Meccans were trying to frighten them, people like Bilal, people like Abu Huraira, people like Anas ibn Malik, these were simple, poor, young men. And they used to come and say to them, what are you going to do? Many of you are slaves before you became Muslim. Many of you from poor background. Today, Muhammad Sallam has no power to help you or support you. We will demolish you, we will destroy you. But they had no fear in their hearts. Because they depended upon Allah. And they will only utter one word. حَزْبُنَ اللَّهُ وَنَعْمَ الْوَكِيلُ A lot of people, I see them sometimes bringing a television program to ask uh, Certain scholars who are supposed to answer questions. And they say, Sheikh, I have this problem or that problem. Is there anything for me to read? And you could see them panicking. No, no, no. Just read the Quran. Rubbish. Wallahi, rubbish. Not any Quran can help you. Because Allah himself in the Quran said in Surah Al-Isra, some of the Quran could be a means of sorting out your problem. Not all the Quran. Allah said, And some of the Quran could be a healing, curing, or a, a means of mercy for sorting out your problems. Wow. These companions who were so poor, when they were challenged by the Mushrikeen, they didn't say the Quran. They said, Hasbun Allah Because the Prophet told them so. Allah is our Savior and He is sufficient. Allah said, because they repeated and uttered those words, they turn from me with a lot of bounties. An extra faith and Iman in their heart, no harm shall ever come their way. Read it in Surah Ali Imran. Read it. Surah number three. Fatiha, Baqarah, Al Imran. Okay? Read from verse 170 to 176. You will find those verses there. When they were frightening them, be fearful of us because we are stronger, we're going to destroy you. They didn't get any fear in their heart. They said, حَذْمُنَ So for everything, Sayyidina Yunus alayhi salam When he was going, giving his da'wah and his people were not listening, shouting at him, putting him down, beating him up, throwing the rotten vegetable at him. When he said to Allah, they are your people, you can guide them, I'm leaving. And he ran away. And the fish swallowed him. And it's a story, you know it's a story. And subhanallah, this is Jonah with the fish. Allah says, if he was not one of those who was continuously glorifying us, he will remain there in that belly, until the day of judgment, what was his glorification? There is none worthy to be worshipped beside you, O Allah. Indeed, I was one of those who have committed a mistake. Running away was not a solution. I should have stuck to what you have <laughs> taught me. The Prophet said this is a dua that we Muslims should read. But there are ways, and who is teaching those things about if not the Sufis? I challenge anybody. Anybody, anybody come. Tell me anyone from any Islamic school okay, of spirituality if there are other schools that don't want to solve what are they teaching? And this is something that we need to think about and discuss. And therefore the reality of everything that Allah has created is for sure there. For everyone to see if Allah opened their inner sight. Believing or rejecting without knowledge is not enough. And it will not save us in the day of judgment. The only way we can save ourselves, through knowledge. And therefore the most successful amongst us, the one who learn, understand, comprehend, put into practice, and then try to spread through a good word, or by assuring of a good action, then you become <coughs> a good human being. And for the one who claim to have the knowledge, I will say this Allah said in the Quran, and we have made above everyone who claimed to have knowledge somebody more knowledgeable. Don't tell me you know. You know not. Nobody says this only Allah will put them down. Some people will say, I know everything. You don't know nothing. The moment you say, I know everything, you know nothing. Because you don't understand the Quran. Allah says, for everyone with knowledge, in any field, they will always be there, somebody more learned than them. So the moment you see yourself having a little bit of wings, you better chop them off. Rasulullah <laughs> said, <laughs> The path of tasawuf is the path of humility. Without that, it does not make any different from the other school, and Allah will show mercy to the one who says in poetry, It's a beautiful poem. He says, Tell the one who claims to have the knowledge, you know something, but a lot is being hidden from you. And for the one who understands the story of Sayyidina Musa, alayhi <coughs> tells us a lot. When Sayyidina Musa stood before Bani Israel and said, I know, Allah says, you know not. How? When he was asked, who is the most knowledgeable in that majlis? He said, I am the most knowledgeable. Allah says, you shouldn't have said that. I am here. You should have said, Allahu A'lam. Why the companions, whenever the Prophet asks them, they always say, Allahu A'lam. Allah is the most knowledgeable. Sometimes they say, Allahu wa Rasuluhu A'lam. Allah and his Messenger are more knowledgeable than ourselves. And for this reason, I will say that to study this path, and inshallah in the few weeks I'll explain, the most important fundamental thing in it is knowledge, but with humility. Without knowledge, you are not a Sufi. Without humility, definitely you are not. Because no Sufi can claim to be a Sufi without that humility within themselves. Here now we come to our topic. I'm sorry that it was just the beginning because I want to clarify certain issues. <laughs> People, might think, we came for the Sufi. Yeah? So in this today, we are going to talk about the following. What is Tasawuf? And when did we get to know this term about Tasawuf? And the knowledge of the Sufis. What is the knowledge of the Sufis? And the journey of those people from the beginning, inshallah, to our time today. So without delay, I will say... If anybody says there is a definition for what Tasawuf is that is agreed upon, he's lying. There are different interpretations for what Tasawuf really means. There are four different interpretations. okay, And all of them claim to be saying it the way it should be. Some people say it is from Safa meaning purity of the heart some people say from the saf, the ferris row for the prayer within the masjid some people say from the sufa, when you go to Medina and visit the Prophet and you stand and face his uh, grave behind the room where he's buried there is a high thing higher than this called the dakka where the Prophet used to put the poorest people on top and Allah praised them in the Quran Okay, and there is a reason for that And the people who sit there, they call Ahlul sufa. Some people say, these were the first Sufis. And some say, it is from wearing, okay, wool. Because wool in Arabic is called Suf. Yeah? Because the people of humility, and they want to show, that they have nothing but, because when you have a, a garment made of wool, this is made of wool. You could wear it for 100 years, still be there. But if you buy something, okay synthetic (laughs) within two three wash then you have to throw it away buy something new it will be ripped it will be but this remains so the poorest people always wear these things because they can stay for long or the rich people will buy them wear them because they want to renew they give it to people you see when you go to places like in Pakistan, India everybody wearing a Kashmir not because of anything because keep them well look after them and it can stay long but for us here we buy it to show it because it's expensive you see we don't wear it all the time now, some of the scholars gave these definitions, and I will quote them. Some of the scholars says the Sufia were called Sufia from Safa, which literally means purity of the heart, because their inner is always pure and their intentions are right, and everything they do or they say is done. Out of a pure heart. And therefore they say it clearly. A sufi man safa qalbahu The real Sufi is the one whom his heart is being purified for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Sufi is the one whom his heart is being purified for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, later on when we talk about how this has come to position. Because you realize the journey of the human being is not through purifying your body. Because the dunya people purify their bodies. Okay? Today you have got a lot of gurus, Jazakallah khairan, who go around, okay, doing a lot of things to make you physically strong, fit, all these diets, all these exercises, all these machines I sell. I, I'm astonished. Every week there is a new thing. And we are buying it. And especially my sister, may Allah bless them, uh, yeah, I mean, there is no department store with seven I mean, the floors, only there will be six for them. And there will be one floor, one a quarter of it general, a quarter for the children and a half for the men. But the rest is for the women. And everything is sold and they trust. Why? Because everybody wants to look good. Okay, And that is something we need to think about. The Sufis don't think about the physical body, they think about the spiritual body. There are another group, they say it is from the line, the first line of the prayer, the first row, Asaf. And they say because the person who comes early to stand in the first row to pray, he is trying to be closest to Allah. And because the Prophet praised those who come early and praise in the first row. And he said in many, many statements, salallahu wa or ahadith, that the prayer of the first row is more greater than the other rows behind. Okay? And because those who came early and stood in the first row to pray, their hearts are connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they say, if the person knows that, they will fight to be in the first row. But yet, if you are in the first row and you came early and you always pray in the first row, but if there is somebody older or somebody more knowledgeable than you or somebody whom you look up to or respect, you should retreat and let them. So you get double reward. Because Allah give you according to your intention. You came early. Allah is not going to say, well, you left the first line, you're not going to get the reward. (laughs) You're going to get it, but because you respected somebody, you get the respect of that, you see. Because many people say, I shouldn't move. No, you should move. Number three, those who says from a Sufa, because the description of the Sufis and the people of the Sufa are equal. How is that can be proven? The people of the Sufa, they were the poorest. They were the most closest to the Prophet ﷺ in their behavior and understanding and closest to him in acting upon what he has taught. <laughs> example of Abu Huraira, <inaudible> Example of Anas ibn Malik, <inaudible> Abdullah ibn anhu. Abdullah ibn Umm al-Khattab. All those people were so beautiful in their ways. Okay? As companions. But among the people who used to sit in the sofa, you can't consider Abdullah ibn Umar because his father was well off. But that the rest, those who were poorest, they were respecting to his teaching and following his example, alayhi <laughs> and the Sufis try to do the same. But those who link them to the wearing of the woolen clothes, they say a lot of the people of the past, when they want to show humility through spirituality, they will dress in humble clothing, and there is nothing to show humility than wearing woolen clothes. So, everyone will be wearing woolen clothes and to show that humility in their living their life. Okay? The best that I found through my learning, okay, about this subject is that somebody said the poorest of the companions, whom the Prophet raised and put in the stage which we call a Dakka. And the people who sit on it call Ahlus Sufa. They used to be wearing garment of wool or most of them. And they used to be the most humble and the most honourable and the most closest to him in attributes and behaviour, and the most honouring to his teaching, and the one whom Allah prayed in the Quran, at the Sabiqun, the earliest in true faith, the defenders of this faith. They are Sufis. So they link them as to be the real Sufis. Not giving they didn't give themselves that name, but they say this is the way it is. Because they did more than anybody else. They spent most of their life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet in the Quran, do not take your eye away from them. Don't take your eye away from them wanting the glitter of this world. Why? Because they spend their life. In the mosque, after they do whatever they do outside with their families, just talking about Allah, <coughs> trying to find ways to just to gaze at Rasulullah, Sallam, to look at what he said and what he did, to behave like him, to follow his example. And for this reason, Allah praised them and gave them to feel. When did we get to know the term Tasuf? Here I need to show you the, the difference. Okay? The first, we can say, when did we get to know about it? Ma'rifah. When did we get to know there was a term called Tasawuf? When? It's number one. The second, when did it become famous? All over. People hear about it across the Muslim world at that time. And the Muslim world was from Arabia, okay, to Persia, to Sham, and to Egypt. Abyssinia. That's the world of the Muslim. When did it become? When we say ma'rifa, or to know when it began, as a knowledge, as a school of people who were practicing the practices of the Sufis, encouraging themselves to do that which is called Ihsan. Doing from themselves that which the Quran did not command them to do, neither the Sunnah encouraged them to do, but they looked at the Quran and the Sunnah, that which brings them great reward they try to do extra in that. Especially like zikr, making a lot of zikr. Okay? For Allah has commanded us, all of us, to do a lot of zikr. So these people at that time they began. When we say Ishtahara, it became famous when it is among the people. When you travel to any area of the Muslim, you could hear yes, the term the Because today there are people who say this this term came very late. The Sufis started maybe 500 years after the Prophet's departure from this world. Well. That's not true. That's not true. And I will tell you why in a minute. Those people who says the name of the Sufis come from the row or the Ferris row in the prayer or from the Sufa the place where the poorest were sitting among the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, or from wearing the garment of wool. This goes back to the Prophet time. Yeah? This exactly, that means those people were known from the Prophet time as the Sufis. Because Ahlul Sufa were in the time of Prophet while he was while, he, while he's alive. And as I said earlier on the example, is Abu Hurair anhu and most of them, they used to come early to pray. Most of them, they used to spend most of their time in the mosque. Most of them, they were closest to him, sallallahu alayhi wa All the studies, when you research and study yourself, go and look, all of them, they say, this term was known before the first hundred years of Hijrah, in the first century of Islam. Before it became a hundred, it was known. I tell you why. One of the greatest men who talk about it is Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik. Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik, who talked about this subject, both of them were born in the first century. Imam Abu Hanifa was born in 80 Hijri and died in 150. Imam Malik was born in 93 and died in 179. Both of them talked about it <coughs> about people before their time to become scholars. Before the hundred year of Hijrah was completed they were living as Sufis. okay, And they talked about it openly and they never said otherwise. Other than that you have people like Shafi'i and Ahmed ibn Hanbal who were born later in the 2nd century and it became more greater. Everybody was hearing about it. But if Tasawwuf really became important only after five hundred years, and it was brought because the Muslim went to Persia, went to India, and from those kind of religion they collected this new method of worshipping to become more spiritual and meditation, that's nonsense. How can Imam Malik speak about Tasawwuf? died 150 and then islam tasawuf came from somewhere else after that clearly in his writing Ibn Malik. writing nobody can confuse that everybody can speak about it when you read about Ibn Malik. he said it clearly but i'm going to give you names other than them who spoke about tasawuf and they are sufis themselves who started the school of tasawuf okay the fairest man known as a Sufi and Imam Malik he speak about and others, and he is written there are books called the books of the Rijal the book of the men Okay. similarly there are books of the ladies women, the scholars of Islam one of the greatest men mentioned as one of the Sufis is called Haram Ibn Hayyan this guy died in 71 Hijri. died before Imam Malik was born That's why Imam Malik was talking about the Sufis as being some of the greatest people that you can find. And in his writing he says, I have heard about such and such a Sufi, I wish I had met him. Because to him, the Sufi is not just a Muslim or somebody with great faith, but somebody who spent his time, energy and effort not just to help himself or his family, but mankind and to do the best to perfect his character in order to help those people. The second person who died in 85 called Habib Ibn Salim al rai He was a shepherd. Habib Ibn Salim al rai He died in 85. And you can investigate and research your name yourself. He's, one, he's considered one of the greatest mashayikh of the Sufis. Number three. Hazim Salama Ibn Dinar. You can hear a lot about Ibn Dinar, very famous, Ibn Dinar. Okay, Hazim Salama, Ibn Dinar, died in 93 Hijri. The year Imam Malik was born, this guy died. Maybe Imam Malik was talking about him in his writing, that he wished he had met people like him. And the most famous, and the one whom we all love very much as Sufis, and we look at his teaching to be some of the best teaching, al Hassan al-Bisri. He died in 110. Everybody knows Al-Hassan al basri the Sufi. Even those who criticise the Sufi. And he died in 110. How can we then say the Sufi is something being imported from India or imported from Central Asia or nothing to do with Islam? Was Al-Hassan al-Bisri somebody who was teaching other than Islam? Wasn't he the greatest man ever to live in Bisra and travel around Iraq and come to Mecca and Medina and everybody goes to him for learning? Wasn't he one of the first to establish a fiqh school? But his fiqh school was too strict. And the most amazing thing, in his time, there was the greatest woman living who, everyone knows, she's a Sufi Rabbi (laughs) al-Adawiyah. And he asked her, had the marriage, and she said to him, no. He wasn't good enough for her. She said she's already married. (laughs) To what? And this woman, and I challenge any man to tell me otherwise, she was from Mecca. Born in Mecca, raised in Mecca, and she used to travel around the mountain of Mecca alone. Where is her mahram? When they say, well, women cannot go, cannot travel, cannot do, it makes me feel really sad. I want people to understand, these all are things being brought by people who want to bring culture into the deen. This is nothing to do with the deen. The deen came to free people out of the cultures that were restricting them from living a proper Honorable life. As long as you are honorable, what is there to hide? So Rabbi al a Omen. Traveling in the mountain. Seeking purification. Being close to Allah. Making zikr. Writing some of the best poetry. She says to Allah, I love you twice. <laughs> one love because you created me. You gave me everything I have. But one love just for your sake. Because I want nothing. Not your Jannah. And you can punish me if you want to. Because I want you. I want you Allah. Nothing else. So when Imam Hassan al-Bisri says to her. Marry me. <laughs> to marry for what? Yeah. This is something very serious. And we need to think about. Then. <coughs> another great scholar who died before uh, Hassan al-Bisri. Called Abu Abdullah. Malik ibn Dinar. Abu Abdullah. Malik ibn Dinar who died 101. Okay. He was one of the greatest Sufis. And the last one in that period, Uthman ibn Sharik, Abu Hashim al Sufi. His name is written in the books, in the history of Sufi. Uthman ibn Sharik, Abu Hashim al Sufi, 152. Why I mention, there are many other names. Hundreds of them. In fact, all the books of the men, they call them Kutub al-Rijal, are gathered and put together by those scholars, the Sufis themselves. But today all the Muslims use them. So when I look at them and they say, well you claim al hassan al-Basri is a Sufi. He never said he's a Sufi. I say, well, look at his teaching. And look what the Sufis are teaching. Exactly. There is no difference. Not just that, all the Sufi schools, and by the way they are a school of dhikr. The Madahib are a school of fiqh, of living Islam. But the Sufi schools are a school of spirituality to enhance your spiritual existence by dhikr, doing a lot of zikr. Never stop doing dhikr. They can say this is bid'ah until qiyamah. They can keep counting their dinar and their and dollars but we will count la ilaha illallah through this as much as we can do. Because Rasulullah said in the hadith whosoever says la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu ala kul qadir in his day a hundred times nobody is better than them only the one who did more than them. What does that mean? Compete. In this, there should be competition. Never let anybody tell you otherwise. As much as you can do zikr, keep doing zikr. Because that's the only thing to uplift you spiritually. Now, this can tell me one thing. That the knowledge of knowing when this Sufi school started, it is before the first hundred years of Hijrah. Definitely. It was known. Otherwise, Imam Malik would not speak about people like this name they mentioned. And it became very, very famous before the end of the second century, 200 years. Because Imam Shafi'i, everybody knows, you go to Cairo, you go and visit his tomb, you read his poetry. He's a big Sufi. Ahmed ibn Hanbal is a Sufi. And the most important thing to me, one of the greatest men. There are people who criticize the Suf among the modern schools that are trying to shun the Sufis. Ibn Taymiyyah was a Sufi. He never, he never put the Sufis down. He criticized certain things he didn't agree with. This is his own way. And the Sufis were against him. Inshallah, in the next lesson when we come, we'll talk about what did he say and why he disagreed with them and what they disagreed with him in. He have got certain things. This is on. And because they, he's a scholar, he's respected, he has got his own point of view. But he respected the Sufis. And he was one of the greatest Sufis who lived in his time. People can read his books. When you read his books, most of us talk about the Suf, nothing else. If he's not a Sufi, then who's a Sufi? Okay. Now, the last part in this section I'm going to talk about is something important about the Suf. In the journey of the Sufis, okay. This is one of my teachers. He wrote this book, May Rahmatullah Ali. It's very beautiful, and he wrote it in a very short station. There was a scholar, Allah has blessed me to see a lot of the in, in, uh, Indian Pakistan. they know him called Sheikh Zakaria. I'm sorry, very famous. Really, if you can find his books, you read for him. He was in a wheelchair in the rest of his life. He died uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, I think. I saw him once in the Kaaba and he was wheeled in a chair. Every man wants to come and just touch him for Baraka. Every man. Sorry. Every man. Maybe there is a lot of Baraka here. Every man will want to touch him. Even those who are against these this thing, when I ask them, why are you doing this? They say, he, said, he looked like a blessed man. He looked like a companion. He looked like a, a prophet. He's, he's decent. He's in a wheelchair. He could say to Allah, I want to walk, but he accepts his. You come to him, he will tell you. This is what he wrote, Sheikh Zakaria, rahmatullah alayhi. He says, تعريف Okay? Getting to know what tasawwuf and how did it start. It is a knowledge through which you know how to purify one's nafs. It's the knowledge for purification of the nafs. Not the soul. Not the body. You need the body, you go to somebody to train you, a trainer, the trainer. You need uh, uh, the soul, okay? Then you need the dhikr. But you can never enter into the dhikr until you purify your nafs where it is your desires that are pushing you down. وَتَصْفِيَةُ الْأَخْلَاقُ And purification of one's conduct and behavior and manners. الظَّاهِرُ وَالْبَاطِنُ And fulfilling the inner and outer of the person's behavior and discipline. So that you will gain the happiness that will be for this world and inshallah for the hereafter. What is the subject? What's the syllabus we study in Tasof? At Taskiyah, Wat tasfiya Ta'mir. Purification, cleansing, and fulfilling. Now I want to tell you why the Sufis chose this to be their syllabus to be taught in their school of Zikr. When Ibrahim السلام, and Sayyidina Ismail filled, okay, uh, fulfilled their mission by building the Kaaba and everyone, who, especially those who went to Mecca to do Umrah or Hajj, you find a glass place where there is the footstep of Ibrahim called Maqam Ibrahim. You find people fighting to come and have a look and to pray there. People say, no, just pass by, it. don't touch it. But people insist looking at it. This foot mark is not in the mud. It's not really put there for us to look at it as a foot of the early human being walking on mud or in sand. There is no mud or sand in Mecca, it's all rocks. But when he was standing and praying in that rock, his foot was making a mark. Because they said, the Israel prophets. And the messengers, when they walk on rock, they leave a mark. When they walk on sand or mud, they don't leave any mark. This is the difference between them and normal human beings. So you know there's a prophet who passed through here. Just like the prophet, they used to know how he passed through when they smell beautiful smell. If they walk in any path and they smell a beautiful smell, they know the prophet passed through that road. If they touch any child and his head is perfume, they know the prophet touched his head. This is the prophet's sign to be. So... In that place, Ibrahim and Ismail, when they finished the Kaaba, Allah commanded us, that place where they used to pray to fulfill their mission, you must pray there when you go there. min Ibrahim? musalla, And you must make the place of Ibrahim where he used to worship a place of Salah. You must pray there. If you go there, you must pray there. Allah commanded you. People said to me, you can pray anywhere. I said, no, I'm not praying anywhere. I want to pray here. Are you going to stop me? And they can't tell you anything. They have no right to stop you. You see? As long as you are not making it difficult, if there is too many people, take your time until you find the time to pray. But pray. Yeah. What did they pray and ask? Oh Allah, our generation that will come from us, children and grandchildren and later on the progeny, bring from their midst a one who will teach them. وَبْعَثْ He will read your Quran for them. Because they know that the book to be revealed. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ And he will teach them this book. Not just read it, but to teach it. And this is to tell me and you, when you read a book, you have not learned anything. You have gained knowledge through information. But to know the book, you need somebody to teach you the book. Otherwise, we all get our book at home and go to university and take the exam. That's it. Why do we need teachers? Why do we need professors? Because to explain it for us. Okay? So he said, read the book for them, then teach them the book. وَالْحِكْمَةِ And teach them the wisdom. The wisdom here meaning, give them clarification of your teaching. And he gives it through hadith. عليه use والسلام. وَيُزَكِّهِمْ And then to purify them. This is in Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah accepted their prayer but change the order. Their order to read the book, to teach them the book, to teach them the wisdom, and to purify them. Allah said, It is I. It is Allah Almighty, He sent to the illiterate a messenger from their midst. To do what? He will read the book for them. Ad as Ibrahim asked. But taking the last one, Teskiah, and put it in his face. He will purify them. Then he will teach them the book, then the wisdom. So the Sufis, from this verse, they said once you read the Quran, once you memorize the Quran, once you begin to understand and appreciate the basic things about your worship, rather than learning the knowledge, you must be purified first. Okay? clear. Very very important So Imam Dakaria is saying Our school of the Sufi. And by the way This Indian great scholar Is a Sufi There is a great other Indian scholar Who used to come here He died uh, A lot of people didn't think that he is a Sufi He wrote one of the greatest books in Arabic All the Arab groups of Islam They love him very much And they all think he is not But he told me That Sheikh To be a great scholar And if you are not a Sufi You die with nothing Alhamdulillah, I am Sufi. I follow four school of tasawuf. I am Qadri, Naqshbandi, Chishti, Sihri, Four. His name is Sayyid Hassan huh? al uh, If you heard about him in India. Very, very important. He used to travel a lot. When you hear him speaking, beautiful. His manners, his character. Uh, I used to tell the people around me in London. This guy... Can never be anything but Sufi. No. The Ikhwan used to think he's the Ikhwani. The Salafis think he's a Salafi. He goes to Mecca, he's among the Salafis. He goes to Egypt, he is the Ikhwanis. He goes to North Africa, he's with all those political Islamic groups. And they all love him. He wrote his book, those who read Arabic. Maybe it's something They don't know. What did the world lose by? the lowering of the standards of the Muslims of the world. Really beautiful book. I have it in Arabic at home. What did the world lose? He said by the Muslim not doing their job properly and being good Muslim, the world is losing. And it's true. Because we're killing one another and we're destroying ourselves and the world as well. So find this book and read it. So I took some of the brothers one day and he was there and I sit with him. And he was asking me a question. I said to him, Sheikh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I always want to know because if I speak and say anything about you, I want to know uh, whether you follow a certain thing or not. Said, so what's your question? I said, do you follow any Sufi school? He just looked at me and smiled. And said, how could I be doing what I'm doing without following school? Alhamdulillah, I follow four of four, of them. <laughs> I have ijaza in the four. He have got permission in the four schools, and he can give he the sheikh, literally. Okay. So, this is something for you to think about. And the career is one of the greatest mashayikh, uh of the Indian subcontinent. Okay. So, the subject that they teach is Taskia. What is the outcome? <coughs> yes, we teach you in, in, in education. Okay. We need to have an outcome. I don't know about the te- teaching here. Yeah, who knows? When you do your planning, what's the outcome? This is. Your objective of teaching. But what's the outcome of this objective? So he said the objective okay, or the outcome of this waqayatahu, al sa'ad al It is aim that you have the happiness of this world and the happiness of the hereafter. And this is to fulfil exactly what Allah said about the verse I resatted Ferris. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Indeed those who are befriending Allah by remembering Him a lot there is no fear will come their way and they will never be sad. So once you are sad, something is wrong. Once you are frightened, something is wrong. To know you are in the right track, no fear, no sadness. To be sad about what? To be gloom about what? (coughs) Today, people want to live and to achieve. The greatest people on this earth today and our children are looking up to them are the celebrities. Am I right or wrong? The celebrities. Cinema, football, uh, theater, singing and music. But how are they living their life without drugs and alcohol? Isn't it? Um, this is the reality. I, I used to have some of them talking to me, asking me questions. They can't get out of it. And most of them, they are Everybody, even kings and queens, would love to meet Michael Jackson. Allah, Allah is my witness. One of the greatest people who used to be around him once took me as I said to me, "I am one of those like gurus to him. I go and help him." Because in America, everybody have got somebody like that to to support them and help them. And some people are very clever; they do certain things for them. But she realized he's interested in pure spirituality, and he used to talk about to Islam. But she doesn't know anything. She said to me, "I tried everything with him, but every time I talk to him, he's talk, interested in this." and I heard about you, I came all the way, I want to ask you, what can I do? If you don't know how to do it, how could you do it? You can't be a GP, somebody comes to you, or you're a consultant, and the subject you don't know, and you come and say, teach it to me because I can't do it, because it can bring me money I can put in my pocket. So we need to understand and appreciate that. So the happiness that they get is short-lived. Okay? And therefore, here, they say, "Man amila." This is supposed to be a report from Rasulullah Sallam. He says, والسلام, Whosoever act upon what they know. Allah will make them inherit knowledge that they have no knowledge about. And by the way, Allah said clearly in the Quran, الله الله. And do fear Allah and Allah personally will teach you. Allah is my witness and I say this and he is listening to me now at the beginning of doing my da'wah in this country I was confronted by a young woman English in her 20s mid 20s perhaps and she was just a cashier in a sh- shop those days it's not like today you see with electronics and things it was the old tills. You see, you hit it like this, it hit you, you run away from it. (laughs) So this girl was in the tills, and there is a group of young students. There used to be a lot of foreign students in this country. Just to give you an example, there were 150,000 students from Iran. 70,000 students from Nigeria. Too many of them. Even my country, a small country, we had about 12,000 students from Sudan, something here. And this country was booming in the 60s and 70s. And they were coming to do research and bring a lot of money. And those students were living in this small town next to Manchester. And this girl just goes in the shop, and those students will come. And then when they stand, and the way they interact, one of them is standing in the queue and he's paying, he pays for everybody. And then they will oh all I'm paying, no, you were paying. And she, she liked the way they were together. So one day she asked them, What do you do? They were naughty kids they were not really practicing their Islam and they were young in their late teens and early 20s in university and they wanted just to live their life and so they thought the girl liked her so they wanted to make her a friend so she liked being with them so she started going with them and one of them became very close to her he's from Sudan and they were talking sometimes about their family about respect for their women and that no relationship before marriage and she was listening she found there is more to this than that but yet they're not giving her the same respect so one day she said to them look what is this you are talking about we don't worry about it let's forget it She, she began to insist until she got to know this is called islam she asked them they refused her not because they don't want to tell her because they themselves don't know enough and they were in the wrong because they want to make her a girlfriend, whatever. So she began to go around asking. That time there not a lot of masajid. She went to this Pakistani little place and she asked them. And the Imam there have got some literature, gave it to her. And she began to ask, ask. One day she came, Alhamdulillah, somebody gave her, shihadi, she had to become a Muslim. Those brothers, one day, realized she's a Muslim. She told them, I'm a Muslim now. She's thinking that she will become like them and they will teach her this beautiful kind of living together. They pushed her away. She went to her place. She began to sit down and cry. She wanted to know more. Cry. She said, Wallah. Allah is her witness. One day while well, she is crying, crying. Says the night. She doesn't know what to do. Somebody tapped her foot while she sleeping. When she woke up, she saw this old man with a long beard, wearing a turban of time, said to her, sit up, I am here to teach you. How come? Just no more person Like me and you Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give this person This not to us? You might think, I'm doing everything but I'm not getting anywhere Are you doing it the right way? Are you doing it because Really you are doing it for Allah? This girl was doing it for Allah Seriously Because she doesn't want anything else She wants to be closer to him The one who is making them like this Another Situation for an English woman who was a very devoted Christian who married an Egyptian man. He married her, he said to her, Look, listen, I want you to live your Christianity as it should be. I don't eat pork, I don't drink alcohol, I don't want this thing in the house. I want my children to be raised as Muslims. She agreed. He married her. She gave him the best home and beautiful children. They were raised. She loved him so much. When he died, she left all his clothes in the cupboard. She didn't want to give them away. Her children said, but mom, said, no, I can't. I miss him so much. At least the clothes, when I open the cupboard, I smell the clothes, he's here with me. They left her. She used to go to her church and come. One night, also related to me by her, she said, I slept, and when I slept, I saw Isa, alayhi salam, my dream. Dressed in a very old garment, it needs to be changed. And he looked at me and said to me, please give me something new. This is too old, I want to wear it. And she said, I said to him, but I have nothing to give to you. I only have dresses, women dresses. He said, what about your husband ones? What about your husband one?" She said, the moment he said that, I remembered, I rushed to give him one of the jubbas, the Egyptian jubbas he used to wear. The moment he started putting it on, I could hear from behind him a person talking to me and saying to me, La ilaha illallah and then a face shined and it is full of light and she said she realized it was Muhammad wa yes. Yes. she said she woke up in her middle of her bed holding her finger like it, La ilaha illallah La, and she's crying and suddenly her children ran from the other room and they're adults ma'am what's wrong and she was just repeating until they count her down and she related to them I want to be a Muslim but before this I want to go and thank this man who come and told me Giving me a garment from my husband. He is telling me, no. Not a material garment. Take the garment of your husband who used to wear لا إله إلا الله. ذَلِكَ خَيْرِ And the garment of piety, that is better, Allah said in the Quran. When I saw her, she only wanted to go to Sangat the Prophet. I said to her, what do you want to go She said, children, just take me to Medina. I want to thank him. If he didn't come, I will not understand. She became a Muslimah. She went to Medina. They told me after she came back, her face was as bright as this light. Bright. But she was not speaking. Anymore, not speaking. And a few weeks later, she died. What happened, I asked them. When she was in Medina, and she went, the soldiers and the people in the crowd, they were pushing her away. She wanted to stand close to the rails and to address her son. When they were pushing her, no, 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 and she, until she held the roll And she said, while she's holding the rail. I just do want to say thank you Rasulullah. That's what I just came all this way to say thank you to you. But they said after that, her face changed and she's not speaking. She only mentioned one thing. She said, when I said, I just came to thank you Rasulullah he put his hand from the grave. She could see him. Sallallahu <laughs> <laughs> <alayhi> Wasallam. <laughs> who among us could say that? I wish I could have this experience. And how could I deny her that? How could I say to her, he didn't see that? This is a gift from Allah to those people whom he loves. And Allah can give anybody whatever he loves to give them. And therefore, what the Sheikh is telling us, that if you really want to learn the knowledge of the Sawuf, you begin this knowledge by purifying your nafs. And that will take you into the highest position that will make you, inshallah, closer to him. Another great scholar in Islam, called Imam al-Sha'rani. Imam al-Sha'rani lived, studied, and died and buried in Egypt. He wrote a lot of books. If you Google his name, you'll find a lot about him. He's one of the greatest Sufis. He says, to tell us about this knowledge, he said, Be aware, my brother, may Allah show you his mercy. And عِلْمٍ إِنْقَدَحَ فِي The knowledge of the Sufis. A knowledge that Allah has instilled in the heart of those whom He loves. When those hearts were enlightened when they acted upon the Quran and the Sunnah. Today you meet people who say, No, 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 no. We don't want any knowledge from anybody. Just Quran and Sunnah. Okay? Quran and Sunnah. Are you telling me, I are a Sufi, don't follow the Quran and the Sunnah? If I'm not following the Quran and the Sunnah, who's following the Quran and the Sunnah? Every Muslim must follow the Quran and the Sunnah. Because the Quran is your source, and the Sunnah is the means of understanding that source. Without the Sunnah, you cannot understand it. And the Quran is the only book that a Muslim should follow. But without the interpretation of the Prophet ﷺ from the Sunnah, you cannot ask and explain the But we say we must purify ourselves. We must purify our nafs. We must make ourselves cleaner. Okay? Anybody who acts upon the book of Allah through the Sunnah of Rasulullah ﷺ, Allah will put in their heart knowledge. And secrets that nobody can take away from them. Allah can give you anything. Anything Allah can give you. It is for yourself, not for the people. But you need to strive. Man jadda, wa jadda. Whosoever strives will find. You don't need anybody to tell you otherwise. What time is it, by the way? I don't want to exceed my time. Eight, ten past nine. Ten past nine, okay. Just give me a few minutes and then we'll finish, inshallah. Okay? The third person who spoke about this Ibn Khaldun. Have you ever heard about Ibn Khaldun? Yeah. He is the Muslim traveller, okay. Uh, before the travel agents of the Western Europe, Ibn Khaldun was the first Muslim traveller who travelled from Morocco, okay, across North Africa, Egypt, and went. Yeah. Have you ever read about him? Google his name and read his Muqaddimah. Beautiful. Yeah. He he wrote a lot of good things. Jāʾa fi Ibn Khaldun. Jāʾa fi Okay. The first book he wrote, Ibn Khuldun, in it, in the 17th chapter. If you are looking for it, you find it yourself. I think it's translated in English. Okay, because a lot of people used to tell me that I read there. It must be in English. When he talked about al when he talked about the knowledge of the Sufis, he says, هذا العلم من العلوم الشرعية في الملّة. This knowledge is one of the knowledge that was brought forth. Okay? Are the part of the religion by those who were practicing Islam. It is origin, the path of those people. It was among the Sahaba, the righteous companions, and those who followed them. It was the only path for following the truth and the guidance. And It is by putting yourself in your extra optional time to do extra worship. Most of the time. So he himself says, through his knowledge, talking to people, when he met them, asking about the origin of this kind of teaching, he said, this is from the time of the companions. After they did what they did, their extra free time, they didn't play football or basketball, or rugby, or tennis, or watch television, or play computer games, or chit-chat, or gossip, or went for a run, or went for a shisha somewhere. They spend their time doing extra worship. Dhikr. Allah says so. Once upon a time I was sitting with my sibha. Some brother came to me and said to me, Allah, oh MashaAllah, are you from Sudan? I said, yes. Yeah. I, I love people from Sudan. But I see all of you all the time just, What's this? why don't you do like that it's better for you it will be a witness for you in the day of judgment <laughs> I like people like that so I said to him, listen brother Okay? I know I see a lot of brothers that you go outside there you could work for an hour or two and a little bit of money to just buy yourself full madamas and, uh, the cheapest kind of like, like McDonald's for example something cheap but brothers don't want that. They want to go and have something expensive. So they work longer. They make more money. Go and tell them to work less. Eat less. Come and worship more. He said, why are you talking like that? I said, because if you are asking me just to do very little, what am I going to get in the hereafter? Didn't Allah in the Quran command us to do as much as we can? Ya أَيُّهَا ladina آمَنُوا أُذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ O oh, you who believe, remember Allah in abundance. Continuously. In abundance. Allah didn't say a thousand or two, or a million or two, Allah says, continuously. Kathira. Kathira. So I said to the brother, what does kaseer mean? He couldn't. Oh, well, but, but, I said, Are you telling me not to make zikr? <laughs> I, like, I like that. I said, you tell me now, I will bring two witnesses, we write it. That you told me I should never make zikr as much as I want. I want to spend my time not read newspaper, not read magazine, not to read, well, I want to just do zikr. If you write to me your name, I, so and so, I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will give you everything you want, and you are exempted from this, not to do zikr kathir, and your name two witnesses, in the masjid of Rasulullah Sallam, I will be with you. That's Akbarullah, And he ran away from me. <laughs> so here, to tell you that at the end of the day, this guy who was just a traveller learning about the history of people telling us what is what's going on. Please read his writing. Ibn Khuldun. He's saying that the Sufis are nothing new. The way that the companion lived among those people who worshipped Allah in abundance and perfected their character the Sufis just followed but later on by the end of the 2nd century they put it into schools. Next time when we come I'm going to tell you the beginning of the first is Sufi schools. Where did they start? How did they start? Who are the people? Who are the students? And then we can realize and understand that the soul became so big. In fact, I will say it and I will challenge anybody to tell me otherwise. Islam spread to Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, China, uh, the the Indian subcontinent and going to uh, the uh, Soviet Union republics and Africa only through the sword. <laughs> Nothing else. I challenge anybody to come to me and tell me Islam went to Africa through the sword. Nothing. No sword. No fighting. No bloodshed. Ask any Indonesian, your teacher is from Indonesia. Ask him. How did Islam? I asked the Sultan of Brunei. Okay? as the leader of his country, I entered his country to do a project in 2000. And Allah is my witness, SubhanAllah, it's the only country I visited. And if Allah give you time and effort, go and visit this country. It's the only country I visited. When they picked me in the airport, my driver was half of the Quran. When he was driving me in the street, every time he stops and there are people, Alaikum salaam they greet one another smiling, And you never hear peeping of the cars. You never hear shouting or screaming. The the man who's opened the door in the hotel is half of the Quran. The one who's taking my night is a scholar, my bag. So I said, where do you, and they're all young. Oh, the Sultan sent us to study Islam in Yemen and Jordan. They used to go and study in Egypt. And everyone who must memorize the Quran. So I like the country. It's so beautiful. So I went, and there are only 300,000 people. Very, very rich country. So we had our last session with the sultan. I did this on behalf of the mufti of the country. So the mufti said to me, in this session, I would like you to sit on my seat. I said, but how could I sit in your seat? You are the mufti of the country. He said, no, please do. I said to him, why? He said, because at the end, I wanted to make a dua. I make long duas. <laughs> Most of my time I spend alone. When I close my room, I make dua sometimes for hours. Because the Prophet said that dua mukhal ibadah is the essence of your worship. Because it is your humility. Make dua as much as you like. Don't cut it short. If there is a door open to ask, you get a chance with the queen or the king. you Don't just say, No, I have nothing to say. I have a lot to say. So I said to him, Look, if I make a dua, it might never end. No, 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 no. I could see some of the, like the protocol people. When they heard me saying that, they came to me and said, let's make a short. <laughs> I didn't say anything. So we sat. So the Sultan is sitting like where my sister is sitting. I'm sitting here. That's it. On to his right, my guest who came to do the function for him. And on to his left, his palace and ministers. And <laughs> he began. Allah is my witness. The only leader I have visited in my life, and I've visited a lot of them, he began with dua. Everybody say, oh, this Sultan, they're squandering money, they're doing this and that, they're doing haram. You shouldn't talk like that, unless you know the person. He put his hand up, and the first thing he said, praised Allah, thanked Allah, and praised Rasulullah Sallallahu <laughs> Alaihi Wasallam. And then asked Allah to bless the meeting. And then he asked people to comment. And then it came to me. So I said to him, before I comment in the comment, I want to ask a question. How did Islam come to you here? He said to me, why are you asking? This? I said, I had never visited any Muslim country. I have seen people as noble, as gentle, as kind, as just lovely people. You want to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so lovely. Seriously, you want to take them with you? And They're so small, all of them. <laughs> He said, let me tell you one thing. Islam came to this part of the world, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Brunei, and uh, Singapore, which is one area, through five merchants. From where? From Yemen. This Yemen where there is trouble. May Allah give them peace, inshallah. Amen. They used to come, and through their interaction, and their honesty, and truthfulness, and the generosity used to show the people, people followed them. They see them praying, why are you doing this? Just to have spiritual. They used to meditate, This is our meditation. They found this meditation, they took it, but they taught them through the Sufi way. Tazkiyat. Cleansing. Okay? Now today, a person will go to the masjid. He will be taught to be a Muslim, you must look like a Muslim. So he will put a hat on. Uh, uh, They say this is a a sign. Ahmad did that always say without a hat on your head, you're not showing a... Put it on your head. The Kirnaik now said it as well. Grow your beard. Okay. Many people with their beard to their navel, their hat as big as they want, and they pray in the first line, and the very thing they do outside, they insult, they swear, they lie, they cheat, they deceive, they fornicate. How could you? You can't do this and this. Doesn't make sense. If you don't have a beard, you are not wearing a hat. You don't come and pray in the first line, but you are truthful and honest, you are kind and merciful, you are generous and serving to people, you are 100% better. You understand? Nothing more important for me than the character that you portray to people, the way you behave with people, the way you show yourself to people. Okay? So the people of that part of the world, the Islam they got from those merchants is a pure Islam. Go to West Africa, from Egypt, and you go through until Mauritania today don't take my word; travel yourself in the last three months I visited two countries I went to Nigeria and I went to Senegal when I went to Nigeria I learned I wasn't there attending but I learned of a conference that took place for Sufis I know the sheikh who did it there were 7 million people one sheikh was there attended with me in Senegal Said because in Senegal they were I saw them 4 million people like Hajj. So I said to the man, and they're all young people like you. Wow. He said, yeah, I anyway we do this. They come to thank Allah for the man who established their school from across the world. <coughs> A learned man, very called Ahmed But one of the scholars who were with me, he said to me, I wish you were with us in Nigeria. I said, why? He said, this is half of the amount of people there. He said that, he said, when they asked me to stand up to speak, I could not see the end of the people in a big park. He said, all the streets were full. Seven million people were there listening. And this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us, inshallah, to understand and appreciate that we should not talk about something that we don't know. We should not judge people before we judge ourselves. And if we really want to better ourselves, we need to begin by purifying our egos from all the ills and inshallah, in the next four sessions, we'll talk about exactly what this Sufi school meant to do, how did it spread around the world, who are the greatest men and women of this school, what is their teaching entails, and how can we appreciate and understand what they did, and how can we benefit from it today. My advice is when you hear people talking about them, be careful. I hear a lot of people saying things that are wrong. Because at the end of the day, you might fall into a position minimum of somebody who's biting somebody. You don't know. If the person who is there, they are talking about it in the internet, chit-chatting about it in Twitter or Facebook, or whatever, don't talk about it. Because you are biting. Number two, if this person is dead, you are going against Muhammad. Who said, Aisha reported. That uh, the Prophet says, when your brother or sister passed away, only remember the good they have done. Number three. If this person you are talking about, living or dead, what you are talking about is not really true, it's just been a slander. Slander will take you away from Rasulullah <laughs> Will take you away from him. Because this is terrible. Allah dislikes people okay, to say those kind of things. Don't lie about something that you don't know. Don't talk about it. Whosoever speaks should say good or be silent. And if if this person happened to be among the Awliya, the real friend of Allah, it could be from today's people, it could be one of us sitting here, and you say something ill about them, you have declared war against Allah. Yeah? And therefore, always be careful. That which you don't know, don't talk about. I will finish by saying this. Rasulullah sallam taught us knowledge. But he taught us to ask Allah for good knowledge. Allahumma inni asaluka ilman nafi'a. Oh Allah, I ask of you good knowledge. And he taught us to seek refuge in Allah from evil knowledge. bika la I seek refuge in you from knowledge that does not benefit me. And therefore, all the time, if the knowledge is going to increase you in becoming somebody closer to Allah, indulge. Ask more of it. And say, Oh, my Lord, increase me in this knowledge. But if you think it is going to do evil to retreat you away from Rasulullah Sallam and keep you away from Allah, say, Oh, Allah, I seek refuge in you from that which will not bring me benefit. May Allah bless me and bless you. And may Allah guard us and make us among those people who will benefit. Anybody have a question before we finish and we go? anybody any question alhamdulillah mm-hmm. you are satisfied mm-hmm. Allah bless you a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahir rabbil alameen. allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad mubarak wa sallim ya allah ya arhamar rahimin oh you most merciful most kind most generous oh allah you created us and you have given us a responsibility of living in this world, carrying that responsibility of doing that which will please you. Keeping away from that which will displease you. Oh Allah, you have shown us the path. And you have given us the way to ask you to always be steadfast in that path. When you reveal the Quran and you say, bismillahir rahmanir rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman rahim Malik yawmiddin, Iyaka na'abudu wa Iyaka nasta'een, guide us into the straight path ya Allah. guide us and make us steadfast in this path ya Allah. and make us among those people who will always remove every obstacle from their path to be closest to you O oh Allah, O oh Allah we seek refuge in you from all the ills and the evil specifically the evil of our own selves O oh Allah, allow us to receive that which will make us better people allow us to Have pure tongues to say that which is truthful and honest. O Allah, allow our heart to be purified from every ill. O Allah, make us among those people whom you will look up to and raise us to be among the highest, in the loftiest position in this world and in the hereafter through our character, not our physical being. O Allah, our fathers and mothers, those who passed away, forgive them and raise them. And allow them to be in the highest position. And, oh Allah, if we have wronged them in any way, forgive our sins. Amen. And give us taufiq to do the best for them, Ya Allah. Amen. Oh Allah, those who are alive, give them long life with obedience. Amen. Make us steadfast in following their example. Amen. And doing the best to serve them and help them. Amen. For indeed after you, they come, Ya Allah, for your respect and honour and dignity, Ya Karim. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the people of the world who are suffering in Yemen, in Kashmir, in Palestine, in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and Syria, Ya Kareem, and in Somalia, Darfur, Mali, Niger, Cameroon, Nigeria, and Ya Rabb Al in Darfur, Ya Karim. Those people who are suffering at this moment because of people who want to change because they know the better. Oh Allah, guide those people who are trying to change. And give the people who are suffering the peace of mind and the dignity and the honor that they deserve. And we who live away from them, if we want to help them and support them, make it easier for us. O oh Allah, accept our prayer for them and give them that peace of mind. Ya Unite them, guide them, help them and support them. For all the people of the world who are suffering, may Allah remove their suffering. For all those who are oppressed, may Allah remove their oppression. For all those who are sick, may Allah heal them cure them, Ya Kareem. And for all those who are serving the sick, may Allah serve them. Amen. For all those who are looking after the people who are homeless, shelterless, poor and needy among the world, the orphan and the widows, may Allah support them and help them, Ya Kareem. I ask Allah for the unemployed to be employed. For the employers, may Allah increase their sustenance to give dignity to those who are seeking to be employed. Oh Allah, your Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, says the hand that gives is better than the hand that receives. Allow anybody sitting with me here today, unemployed, to be employed and given dignity Amen. of receiving and giving rather than, Amen. Ya Allah, being given. O oh Allah, I ask from you, for my brothers and sisters working with me in this project to help and support the Ummah, Amina, Isa, Umar, and Galaida. May you help them, support them, guide them, strengthen them, Give them to the fiqh to do that which will benefit the ya Kareem. Rahmatika, ya arhamar rahimin And all those who support them, the volunteers who come to help them, those who are with them more often and those who are away from them. Those who come once and those who come regular. Help all of them, support them, guide them, strengthen them. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for anybody seeking to be married. For indeed, if anyone loves Rasulullah Sallam must be married. Oh Allah, like anybody... Who want to be married make it easy for them to find the righteous partner the Oh Allah, those who are studying, make them successful in their education. Oh Allah, those who are seeking doors of knowledge open for them, Ya Oh Allah, those who are seeking enlightenment, enlighten their heart. Amen. Bring them closest to you and make them steadfast in their zikri kareem. Anybody who is with difficulty sitting with me here, or having a dilemma in their life, or having something that I don't know but you are aware of. And it is a benefit for them that you open your doors and answer them. May you answer them. O Allah, give taufiq to anybody who is seeking success in their life. My mother in law who is sick. O Allah, if it is her time to go to you, make it easy for her. Amen. Allow her to be received by the greatest of those people whom you have taken with you. Amen. O Allah, give her taufiq to leave this world with dignity and honor. Amen. And her children unite them and give them success in this world and hereafter. And anybody who's seeking from Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, anything that I know of or I don't know, those who ask me, I remember them or I don't? May you fulfill for all of us and give us to the future. In the world and the end, God has come in the world and in the end, the end, and the end, and the fire of the fire. God, don't let us know after our death. Take the dead, because you are the wahaab. God, we must have to be and to be anabed and وصلل اللهم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وسلم الصلاة والسلام عليك يا سيدي يا رسول الله الصلاة والسلام عليك يا سيدي يا نبي الله صلاة والسلام عليك يا سيدي يا حيو الله صلاة والسلام عليك يا إمام المرسلين الصلاة والسلام عليك يا خاتم النبيين الصلاة والسلام عليك يا شفيع المذنبين الصلاة والسلام عليك يا خير خلق الله أجمعين ألف صلاة وألف سلام عليك وعلى آل بيتك أجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين. الحمد لله رب العالمين. الفاتحة. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. الحمد لله رب العالمين. الرحمن الرحيم. مالك يوم الدين. إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين. اهدنا الصراط المستقيم. صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. آمين.